Chris Wagway, Suffering Women Alive for God. Thank you for joining this podcast to support you in your faith walk, your struggles with pain, with loss, or with battles of any kind. Here is Suzanne with her personal reflections and encouragement for today. Shalom ladies, Suzanne here. Welcome to episode 2 of The Swagway. Today we're going to talk about this journey that we call life. Where are we actually journeying to? And how do we know if we've gotten stuck or worse, turned around and gone backwards without even realizing it? I'm going to do this in two parts. In the first one, I'll tell you a bit of my journey and my struggles of getting stuck. And then in the part two of the next episode, we will look at the journey of the Israelites leaving Egypt and see how their story can help us reach the destination that God has for us. Please join me now as we contemplate whether this is a journey back to the future or is it forward to the past. Revelation 21 verse 7 and the beginning of verse 8. He that overcomes shall inherit all things, and I shall be his God and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving, and there I'm going to stop. I have often been asked if I was ever mad at God for taking my husband. And um, today I want to share with you one specific incident in my life where God taught me a very important thing on my journey of grief. And I want you to know that there are so many ways we can grieve. So if you didn't lose someone specifically to death, This can still relate to you. You might have grieved or are in grief because of so many different things. Grieving a relationship through divorce or just the loss of a relationship. Maybe you're grieving the loss of a business or a work opportunity, loss of your identity. Maybe you're grieving loss of dreams that you had that you feel you cannot achieve. So grief and loss is something we can all relate to. During the process of grief or bereavement, we generally spend different lengths of time working through, in no particular order, denial, anger, bargaining, despair, and finally the holy grail of grief, acceptance. So this is what many people have found typically the stages are in the process of grief. We also spend different lengths of time working through each of these steps and we express them with different levels of intensity. And contrary to popular belief, the stages do not necessarily occur in any particular order. And we can even oscillate between them. I received his last phone call around 1pm on a Thursday, 3rd of February 2011. As always, I was delighted to see his name pop up on my phone and I was very happy when he told me that he finished his workday early and that he was on his way home. But since he had travelled to the city that day to see clients instead of being at his office as usual, I knew it would take him about two hours before he would arrive home. But at three o'clock he wasn't home yet 
four o'clock, came and went, he wasn't home yet, and he didn't answer his phone call, he just went on to voicemail immediately. Initially I was a bit intrigued and wondering, you know, why um, he wasn't getting back to me. That was very uncharacteristic of him. He would generally let me know if there is any delay. Then slowly my intrigue was replaced with concern. Five o'clock came and went, and then my concern became fear and dread. At the advice of my sister-in-law, I made a few phone calls. One was to the police, and the other one was to main roads. What I wanted to know was had there been an accident on the way from Perth to where we live in the south. And to my shock, I found out indeed there was. No one was able to confirm the color or make of the vehicles involved in the accident, but I immediately knew that he was involved. What I didn't know was whether he was injured or dead. Ironically, I was thinking, surely he can't be dead. If you've ever driven on South African roads, your first thought would be, yeah, he's dead. But since coming to Australia, I was so impressed with how generally the people drive really well. They stick to their speed limits, they're very courteous to other drivers. So my hope was, surely here in Australia, he couldn't be dead, but maybe injured. But as I say, I knew he was involved. I choked up and I really felt overcome with panic. And I immediately fell to my knees in tears and I prayed, actually not prayed, I begged. I begged God and said, please don't let him be dead. I'd rather he be paralyzed from his neck down, but please, please don't let him be dead. And that's when I was touched with a very quiet voice in my heart. And um, it wasn't an audible voice, but I can tell you I've rarely heard God's voice so clear as at that moment. And his words to me were, let him go. Those were some of the hardest words I've ever heard in my life. And of course I said, no, no, please God, no. Please, where is he? Please send me to the morgue if he's dead. Just give me the words and I believe with my whole heart that you can raise him from the dead. But if you don't give me the words and tell me to go, nothing I can do can make him live again. So please don't ask me to let him go. But again, gently, but firmly, I heard again the words, let him go. I sobbed uncontrollably. But God's goodness and faithfulness over so many years came flooding through me. And I can honestly tell you today, it's by His grace alone that I was able to respond to Him and say, Okay, God, I don't understand, but I choose to trust You. I will let Him go. But please, please don't ever leave us alone. And so within just a few short seconds, I went through denial, bargaining and acceptance. It was shortly after 9pm that night that we received the confirmation that he had died. Of course, despair and grief came like huge devastating breakers and it tumbled me until I felt like I couldn't breathe. Sometimes flooded me at the most unexpected times. I remember once I was in town and I heard footsteps behind me and in that moment the footsteps 
sounded exactly like my husband's footsteps. And my first reaction was, he's behind me. And excitedly I turned around and then I realized, it can't be, he's dead. And the grief just overcame me all at once. I, I just had to rush out of the building and get into my car and just sit there and cry quietly in a place that I felt safe. Sometimes it would be a song or a smell or the way my son's hair would fall exactly like his dad's. But slowly, eventually, in between the waves were moments of reprieve from this relentless onslaught of pain and grief. And it was then that God would minister to me in the most amazing ways, sometimes in my dreams, regularly through comforting music, and thankfully, so often through wonderful support of people and their prayers. But the most comforting of all would be His presence and His still, small voice when He spoke to my soul. Despair, courage, grief and hope interchangeably took turns to be my intimate dance partners. One day I was outside hanging up the washing though and that was the day that anger joined this dance. Right there with a wet towel in my hand I lost it. Where was God now when I needed Him? That morning one of my sprinklers on the lawn broke and I realized that there was just no way that I knew how to fix it. Days before that, my computer froze, and I had never had to do any of these things before. Albert always handled these kinds of things. During those first weeks after his death, God sent me everything I needed before I even asked, from the stranger showing at my door to mow my lawn, to my dear friends who arrived unannounced to clean my house, to grocery bags, food. I didn't even have to ask, and God was there providing for my need. But now I felt, where are you now, God? I agreed to let go, but only on condition that you wouldn't leave me. And I felt at that moment so angry that God wasn't honoring our deal. I hadn't felt his closeness in days, And I mean, he's proven to me that he can't send people to fix my computer and my sprinkler like he did in those first weeks after Albert died. So why isn't he fixing my life now? Where is he? And my broken heart is not getting fixed. And I remember I was standing there and inside I was just screaming, I want my life back. I want my life back the way it was. And anger came flooding out of my heart with the tears. Not anger towards God for allowing Albert to die, but anger at him for leaving and forsaking me when I clearly needed him to get me through. So this tsunami of stored up hurt and desperation and anger came crashing down. If he's almighty God and he's so powerful, Where is he right now in my situation? I'm sure many of you listening today have felt that same way. But once all this anger and pain flooded out through me and these waves dissipated as it were into the sand, God was still standing there. He never left. I just couldn't hear him above the noise and the anger and the churned up emotions in my heart. As silence once again settled in my soul, it was as if a thought experiment came to me. 
So I want you to again realize here it wasn't God audibly speaking to me, but I had the sense that he was offering me a button. So join me on this thought experiment for a moment. God was saying, if I put a button in front of you, if you press it right now, you would have your life back. It would reset your life back to the way it was before that fateful day. And he was asking me, would you press that button? If you had a button like that today, taking you back to a time where you were happy, where this pain was gone, maybe before COVID came, would you press that button and say, take me back before COVID, before my finances crashed and my business failed? Would I press that button? Of course, there is it for my situation. There wasn't really such an option. But it challenged me with where I was at in my journey with God. And I stood there thinking for a moment, realizing I'd gotten stuck. But then with remarkable clarity, I knew that despite my every desire to be free from this pain and to be held in Albert's arms again, I knew I wouldn't press that button. I couldn't press that button. If I did that, I would be walking away from what God claims to me, that in every situation He can work it together for good. I would be walking back to the past and believing that my future lies in that past, where God wants me to follow Him forward and to trust Him that He could get me out of this situation. Are you in a time in your life when you are crying out, I just want my old life back before you lost your freedom or your work and your income, your business, or maybe back to before the loss of a loved one, whether it's through death or divorce or conflict. Maybe you want to press that button to take you back before the time you lost your identity or your dreams. Do you need God's help to get you unstuck? I understand what it feels like to be stuck in pain, but the true source of our pain isn't as simple as that one event that you are stuck in. That one event that you believe, if it were erased or reset, you would have your life back. No, the true source of our pain and this broken world goes all the way back to the sin in the Garden of Eden, where God wasn't my enemy or yours. The enemy was and is the one who wants to replace God's words of life with words of fear and unbelief. When you and I get deceived, we all need God's help to get unstuck. C.S. Lewis is one of my favorite authors, and he said it so well in his book, The Problem of Pain. Please go read it if you haven't yet. He says these wise words, Pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. What is this that God wants to rouse us to? It is that this pain that you are feeling now has a healer if you but only turn to him. To the fact that this broken world cannot ever be the place of my or your happiness. For if Albert hadn't died that day, or even if I could press that reset button, I would be merely buying a bit of time. And somewhere in the future, death would have still separated us anyway, whether by his or mine. Death is the ultimate enemy. 
and there is only one who can press that reset button and only one who can take us forward to that past state of perfection before fear and unbelief entered our hearts and broke his beautiful purposes. But that one needs you to trust him wholeheartedly, even in your pain, since you cannot hang on to this sinking ship and abandon it at the same time. You have to make a choice. Join me next time as we look at scripture, how the Israelites and their journey out of Egypt contains cautions and advice for us today as we have to make this most important decision of our lives, choosing faith and trust in our Creator and His goodness or fear and unbelief, choosing between life or death. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I bring to you every woman listening to this podcast today. I bring to you our pain our devastation, and even our anger at you. We put it before your feet, Jehovah, and ask that you will help us. We've gotten stuck. Help us today to get unstuck. Help us to replace the lies about you, about this world, and about the source of our hope and our joy. Help us to replace any lies in that area with your truth. Move us forward, Abba, not backwards. Move us forward. Show us your love and the hope you have for us. Strengthen our hearts to look to you and have love and faith in your purposes for us, that you have a hope and a future for us. Bring healing to our pain and bring strength to our walk with you. In the name of our King Yeshua. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this personal word from Suzanne. This is the podcast of The Swagway, Suffering Women Alive for God. If Suzanne's witness has touched you today, please share with other women who might need encouragement too. Do you have something on your heart? Join The Swagway on social media, Facebook or Gab, where we invite you to share your personal journey with us. We are a growing sisterhood who are prepared to take hands and join hearts as we heal together. Suffering women alive for God, united even in the face of struggle. Until next time, may God bless you in Messiah Yeshua.